Welcome to iFollow. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 49 of i4o. Uh, we have a very special episode for you today. This is um, the first episode after our one year anniversary. So congratulations to us for surviving for a full year and congratulations to you for dealing with us as we've learned all of the processes and all of the fun challenges that come with running a podcast for tech news. So. Um, to join me in this celebration is none other than Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? Going great, Matt. How about you? <laughs> it's I'm doing good. It's good to have everybody on the show. And by everybody, I mean just you and me for right now. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, on that topic of the one-year anniversary, we get another birthday to celebrate for ourselves. Yeah. It's like a two-for-one. It is. Yeah. It's a two-for. It's a combo deal. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, so we've run, this will be episode 49, um, and we've had five I4O explains. So when you do that math, there's been over one episode of I4O per week on average. So that's exciting stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next year Yeah, and me seeing too. where we go. Um, and yeah, for anybody who tuned in, uh, this past Wednesday, uh, me and Jeff field tested this new Wednesday kind of I4O chat like fireside chat on Twitch type thing. So thank you for the good discussion that we had going in the chat while we celebrated on the day of the one year anniversary. Um, and we're hoping to see maybe that format continue going forward, kind of on an ad hoc basis. It's not a set schedule, but um, keep an eye out on our social media for any kind of news on when we will be broadcasting that kind of a show. Um, so yeah, but thank you for everybody who joined us there. Um, but yeah, so I guess without further ado, we should jump straight into the actual tech news of this week instead of talking about us. But um, we do have some interesting news coming out of Ford. So Ford will stop selling most of its cars in North America, discontinuing a lot of their brand. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday for anybody who was familiar with this topic. Um, and it's this kind of makes sense almost. Like it's a move that I would have seen coming, um, moving into this uh, more of a hybrid and EV type market for cars. And even as we reported on the podcast earlier, kind of coming at the heels of Volvo and all these other automakers that are going to be moving over to an electronic or an electric vehicle format. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. I yeah, don't know, what do you think, Jeff? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, fuel economy and, you know, um, environmental awareness is becoming more and more prevalent in the auto industry. And uh, Ford's kind of well known for being a gas guzzling company. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this is really uh, what they're doing here is limiting their, um, smaller vehicles. So a lot of their coupes and sedans are being discontinued, uh, save for the Mustang and the yet to be revealed Focus Active crossover. Um, but they will be maintaining other lines like their Explorers and their trucks like F-150. They are uh, driving towards um, hybridizing those and also no 
Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they've stated again that they're going to be launching their first all-electric vehicle in 2020, and that by 2022, they'll have 16 electric vehicle models on the market. So this definitely seems like the direction Ford's going, and it seems like a good one, in my opinion. Yeah, and I can't imagine the Ford Fiesta was selling all that well. So yeah. <laughs> I would this, this would make sense that they'll be discontinuing a lot of those lesser-known brands because you're always going to have the people out there who um, like Mustangs and enjoy like their pickup trucks and all that stuff. So I, I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to be missed all that much. Um, people who typically buy a Ford or at least from my experience are buying either a pickup truck or a muscle car or maybe a larger sedan. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It's good good news from Ford pushing towards more of an electric. And I think this is one of the first big pushes by an American car company to move towards electric, aside from like Tesla or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah this, is, this is good. A couple other automakers are making similar pushes, and this is to occur over the next few years, so it's going to be gradual. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, 2020, 2022, it's a pretty – um aggressive timeline to make a change like this for such a large automaker so mm -hmm. yeah also just in general i think less people are buying cars so mm -hmm. it's probably a bit of both moving towards an electric and also cutting the bottom line on people who aren't good like their city cars i guess you could classify them as like because not many people who live in cities buy cars anymore right so yeah that's it's good i'm looking forward to seeing um how ford handles this going forward yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on to our next topic, we have some news from Windows 10, and they had just um, they have just announced their timeline feature um, from the latest update. Um, Jeff, I hadn't had a chance to go through this too much. Did you want to kind of lead off with this one? Yeah, I would. Um, this comes with their spring update, and it's launching on April 30th. Um, they're focusing on productivity here with this timeline feature. So uh, you've heard the word timeline before if you're a Facebook user. Um, it's relatively similar, as in it does what a timeline does. It shows you uh, history and activity um, over the past whatever window of time. Um, what it does here is it's going to show your open apps, and it's also going to show your previous activity, such as what picture files you had open, what web pages you had open, what uh, maybe like Skype chats uh, you had open, um, various things like that with applications on your computer, um, kind of just giving you uh, quick access back into things you're previously working on. And it seems like it'll come in handy. It will help, you know, save some time. And it's in this uh, tiled out kind of look that Windows 10 has been going for. So. Um, this would be really nice for those computers with touchscreens also. Yeah, definitely. Um, pretty cool. This, I'll, be, yeah. I'll be definitely anxious to try it out and see what I think. Um, maybe the days of Alt-Tab or Windows-Tab are fading away from us with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I like the multiple accounts functionality for it. So if you're using your computer for both work or personal, you can select which one that your timeline will track. Yeah. Um, which is nice. That could be good for productivity at work, also. Um, but and for uh, it, any privacy buffs out there, you could uh, actually wipe out your progress at any time on your timeline, and you could choose to stop tracking activity if you were so inclined. Just so you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And um, it's looking like it's maybe it's leveraging some kind of machine learning technology behind it because um, this Engadget article, they go on to say that the longer that they left the system run, the more they couldn't live without it or the more they depended on like how 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 useful it was. Um, and also, uh, they're rolling out another feature called Focus Assist, which is muting notifications and other distractions for um, choosing which apps get to actually notify you with a um, display notification or like a sound or something like that, which is really nice. Um, because I find it super annoying having to dig through every application when a random one pops up, like during a game or um, when I'm doing something and I like need to listen to sound or something like that. That's yeah. nice. And another feature that looks really cool in this update is uh, dictation in Windows. So uh, by pressing Windows key and H together, it'll be a shortcut for dictating text to the computer. Um, some reports are saying it's not as good as some other speech recognition software like Dragon, for example, um, but it does seem to be an improvement from previous versions. And I think that it'd be pretty awesome to be able to take down notes or maybe do an outline using dictation. Um, yeah. It's a cool direction to move in. Yeah, it, it would be cool to see if it does have um, functionality like opening programs or like you were saying, just for quickly like dictating something. Because it would be nice to just like dictate quickly like the body of an email or something um if it's gonna be like a real simple thing because i find myself doing that more and more on my phone also like if i am texting somebody and i don't feel like actually typing out the whole message or if i'm walking the dog or something i'll just hit the microphone button and just dictate a message to the phone oh yeah absolutely and, yeah and um it's cool that they're bringing that to the desktop experience also definitely um and one more note back on the timeline to jump back in our timeline here um it's linked to your Microsoft account. So that means across multiple devices, um, not only your account, like you were saying, Matt, where it tracks it separately, maybe for a work and personal account, it also is on different devices so you can see what your history was maybe on your home computer and then on uh, a mobile device or a work PC. So I like that. And then um, it, it looks like the real focus of this Windows 10 update is just usability and improving the user experience across all of Windows's various applications and functionalities because um, the changes themselves aren't only to just how Windows works and how you can use it to increase your productivity, but there's a few upgrades to Edge as well. So you'll be able to view PDFs, documents in full screen and save and recall like credit card information kind of in the same way you can on Google. And uh, also more importantly, you can mute tabs on edge, which is really nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and also they're going to be rolling out a feature very similar to uh, Microsoft's airdrop functionality, like called nearby sharing. So it'll let you trade files with other windows 10 machines. That will be, very useful in a, in a work scenario or in like an office setting. Right. Um, and also less importantly, photos now supports 3d effects for, well, it's not less important if you're a graphic designer, but right. less important for the sake of what windows is doing here. Certainly. But yeah. So, I mean, it looks like this is going to be uh, including a lot of features that PC users who may have switched over from Mac may be missing or PC users who are frustrated with, some of the recent fall creators updates, bugs and things are going to be desperately needing. So this is actually a really exciting upgrade and 
I'm looking forward to seeing how this works and trying it out myself. Right. And I think that yeah. uh, that note about airdrop was actually meant to be Apple's airdrop, but um, what that you're referencing, something similar. Oh, yeah. The article says um, Microsoft. Yeah, I saw it too. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, next on our to-do list of articles, we have Google Tasks, which is a new standalone app um, built by Google, which is um, kind of like a task list, what you need to get done. Um, maybe you want to put your grocery list there. Um, and it's separate from Google Keep, which is the commonly used app at this point, I would say. Um, right. This looks pretty cool. Um, it does. It seems like a, a, a fusion of Google Keep and Google's Reminders functionality. Yeah, I, I'm um, definitely excited to try this out because uh, I'm not exactly forgetful, but there are some things that fall off the radar. I'm sure you've experienced that too, Matt. Yep. Um, so I use be, reminders all the time. Yeah, um, this will be nice. It's, it's an alternative to maybe setting an alarm to remind you to do something. You could have details in the task list for what you should do. Yeah, and um, I there's a lot of good here. Um, there's also a little bit of unusual standard, I guess, standard procedure, like typical Google stuff um that's in this where there's a lot of aspects of this uh, this new app that don't make sense mm -hmm. um but uh going into the good uh, like you were saying it's um you're able to create multiple lists you can assign dates to items which is uh your only option for sorting um and you can add an additional note to a task and multiple subtasks below a parent task which is nice um among that the app is fast uh it's very well built for navigating between menus and um, syncing up with the desktop site, which is important. There's a desktop client for this as well. Yeah. Um, but as this Verge article goes on, and as I was reading further, that's about it in terms <laughs> of what it's good at doing. Um, there's you can't set specific times for the task to remind you. Um, you can only go by date, and there's no options to rank them with priority or search lists for a specific task. Um, and also you can't make any of them recurring, um, or categorize them either. <laughs> so yeah. it's a very early stage app and there's a lot of things that Google needs to do in order to bring this up to compete with something like Todoist or, um, I use an application called, uh, I think it's called, let me pull up my phone and see. It is called Tick Tick. Hmm. which is like a very plain English styled um, task manager application. Um, and also weird enough, they didn't, di they didn't eliminate reminders or keep. So I guess following the Google messenger format, they now have reminder tasker and um, task or not reminder, keep and tasks. Yeah. So the, the giant three snow, the giant snowball that is Google mobile apps. <laughs> <laughs> they just shotgun out ideas and then release a fourth app and then combine the best of all that into one and then just kill off the rest of the products. It's weird. Yeah. So I guess I spoke a little too soon on getting rid of the alarms to remind me to do things with at certain times, but yeah. um, I, so, I imagine they'd improve upon this with time. I hope they do. Google does this all the time though. They, they'll rush a product out and they'll, have, it'll be really nice at what it does, but what it does is going to be so limited that <laughs> um, it needs a lot of work. And um, this, I, I think we could 
go into this a little bit deeper in a different episode or talk about it on like a Wednesday show or something, but it's a, I don't know how much I like this new idea of developers and apps and games in particular of releasing these like half-baked, like not fully fleshed out products and then updating it live and letting the user base almost do the bug testing for you. Right. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and maybe there's a rant incoming this Wednesday or <laughs> at some point whenever we do another one. Yeah, it's so. like uh, crowdsourcing bugs detection, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. No, I think it's a weird precedent. And some game developers even abuse that by hyping up a product based off of its name alone. And then um, it releases and it ruins that whole franchise. Like looking, looking at like Battlefront 2, for an example, for like a video game. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, so that I digress on that one though. Yeah. But, um, while, while the transition's still fresh and we're talking about bugs, we can move into, uh, Bill Gates pledging $12 million in search of a universal flu vaccine. I think that um, was a perfect five out of seven transition right there. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this news is kind of cool. Um, it's, Six million dollars being donated from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and six million dollars being donated from the family of Google co-founder Larry Page, um, and it's being sent doled out, as this article says, <laughs> not my word choice, but um, grants of up to two million for individual projects that are bold and innovative. So it looks like Bill Gates and Melinda Gates are pretty sick of the flu, and uh, <laughs> they're. Yeah. They're really making a push to get some research done to maybe find a universal vaccine, which would mm -hmm. be exciting news for everyone, especially given the statistics this year. A lot of people have passed away as a result of the flu. Yeah, and um, this foundation is known for basically they just pick a disease and they end it. Yeah, <laughs> like um, they've pretty much ended malaria in a lot of countries just with their work. Um, on various technologies and getting medicines more easily available for people who might need it. And I think this is a, a fantastic idea to go and target the flu because, like you were saying, we did have a really bad flu season. Yeah. Um, and I think it would only end up getting worse as the years go on. Right. Um, but um, um, also it's been announced by Gates that you might, you might say $12 million, it's not that much money, he's saying in – a statement that it's early stage money so he's planning on putting more out there and really getting something done so mm -hmm. yeah and they the, this this organization is like anybody who hasn't heard of the bill and melinda gates foundation i encourage you to check them out um this is like one of the prime examples of one of the giants to come from silicon valley and using their power for benevolence and i think that bill and melinda gates actually started this whole um, like mantra of Silicon Valley CEOs almost taking a philanthropic approach to their post-success life where they go and pursue um, bringing medicine and um, an aid to countries that need it or working on curing a disease or um, to put Zuckerberg in a, in a positive light. Um, he pretty much completely funded a hospital that was going up in San Francisco. It's called actually Zuckerberg hospital now. Um, like it's just a very, like now it's almost like par for the course for tech CEOs to go and pursue some kind of um, like just philanthropic type thing. Yeah. And it's good to um, see yeah. that, you know, 
putting back out into society a uh, positive yep. change because making the world a better place yeah we, we only need so many apps you know <laughs> yeah. yeah so but yeah so that that kind of reminds me of the like going back on the malaria thing like they made this little robot that actually like it's like it scans mosquitoes in the air and it looks for like a couple of things that are indicative of a mosquito carrying malaria and it fires a low energy laser that is harmless to humans, but it will actually like burn the wings off of a mosquito. So like he figured out a way to like find malaria, like only take out the mosquitoes that were carrying malaria and also kill them in a way that was non-harmful to anything except for the mosquitoes. That's incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. And then there was a technology that he made for transporting medicine as well. So there was like a, all it takes is a single bag of ice and it's capable of getting, um, it's capable of staying cool, I think, for enough time to get to any part of the world and still be able to sit for like a week or something like that at like the optimal temperature for medicine. Because a lot of times when they transport medication to other countries, um, it either warms up or cools down too much right. during transportation and it kind of impacts the reliability of the medicine itself. And I imagine so, that's something to do with like vacuum sealing or like a vacuum chamber. Um, yeah. It looks just like a cylinder. Like it's a cylinder that takes an ice bag and that's all it does. Uh, but a Yeti for medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a medicine. Speaking of, I'm actually using one. Oh. Uh, but yeah, but this episode isn't sponsored by them. So well, at least not yet. But <laughs> I'll hold out. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll keep those sponsorship jokes coming. Yeah, have to. Absolutely have to. But so, um, yeah, uh, moving forward into another topic. Not a not a smooth transition for this one, but um, the Golden State Killer case um, has had some interesting news. Um, they used a DNA analysis uh, open source site called GD Match. Um, mm -hmm. which is run by two men in Florida, um, started a few years ago and was once soliciting donations from PayPal. Um, this is somewhere where you, I guess, contribute your genetic information, um, maybe to see if you're prone to diseases or I'm not sure if it has something like ancestry with uh, family ties here, but um, what actually happened here was they had some original evidence from one of the crime scenes of the Golden State Killer, and they found that on this site, GED Match, there were some similar genetic um, data out there. So what they did is they traced it down and realized, hey, this is really similar. Um, someone who's related to this individual who uploaded, uploaded this data is probably the killer, and that led them to this Joseph James D'Angelo. Um, who's the chief suspect in the case. So. Yeah. And I think it's just like the, the article does go way in depth on how they do it. Um, even goes into inheriting the chromosomes of family members, uh, which you share. Uh, first cousins will only have an eighth of their DNA and your, um, you and your direct relatives have a larger percentage. And they go into the math on that and how this website actually has been used to find people who are like long lost cousins and um, uniting family members who may not have known about each other, but um, it looks like a side effect is outing people who may not want to be found. <laughs> so um, 
but it's interesting that um, this is like one of the first uses of, at least as far as I'm aware, of a genetic DNA match company being used for forensic analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it looks like that and like a combination of public records. Um, so even if like even if you don't use this, um, because I think the article does mention that D'Angelo did not use this service. Um, but if somebody in your family does, then it's very possible that they could find you. Yeah. And pretty sure this family member had no idea what he'd done. Um, yeah. But I wonder if they get like a finder's credit for this or something. I'm not sure. Either. But yeah. Because this... it was just using their publicly available information on the website that they agreed was owned by GED Match, probably in the, in the terms and service. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's uh, going to this DNA site. So maybe you'll start seeing GED match commercials. <laughs> like we find all the serial killers. <laughs> hey, this guy is a really, really terrible, terrible human being to have ever existed. Uh, yeah. former, former police officer, a multitude of gruesome crimes. Um, so yeah. this is definitely uh, a win for the justice system and hopefully can yeah. bring some closure to the families of any victims. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, people had apparently forgotten about this guy in large part. And then I think um, going back into it, I think his wife started writing a book about him. And um, after she passed away, other writers finished the book. And this kind of re-sparked an interest in finding this guy because people realized he had never been caught. So, um, but yeah, it's good that this person was put in jail and actually found... um, because these are terrible crimes, and I don't, I don't want to go into any yeah, of that. But neither do I. I. What I do want to talk about a little bit with this um, is I'm like fascinated at this at the with all the and this kind of comes from Facebook and the recent revelations about just how little privacy you actually have on the internet, um, and just kind of go into like not even our DNA is safe anymore from being used for purposes outside of our control as what yeah i think that's like a a fascinating discussion and um even if you're like the ability to leverage information on a site like ged match or 23 and me um something like that even if you're using it to find somebody who isn't using that service like that blows my mind that like because I feel like that could create some kind of privacy issues as well yeah. if you're able to leverage this information to find people. Um, so, but yeah, so that that's a, that that would be a topic for a different day on. Definitely. Maybe we can. <laughs> it's a very, yeah, maybe do very... something on like how to protect your privacy or something like that. But that's a good one though. I, I I'm gonna be. It's it's good that they were caught, and I'm wondering if we're gonna see more of this going forward. Where more um, serial killers or people who weren't found were actually um, would be discovered through a service like this. Definitely so. a good possibility. We will. So. Yeah. And um, just kind of moving in, we have some uh, bigger articles going forward uh, just to jump into the first topic. Blue origin is going to be live streaming its first test flight of 2018. Um, so Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos's competitor to SpaceX and private space faring, um, they are going to be doing its 
it's 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 an eighth overall test flight, but it's the first for 2018. Um, so, and I believe this had this is today. So yeah, it looks like um, actually it happened at 9:30 a.m. Eastern. This already happened. Right. Um, so they had test flight or they had flown it already. So um, it's I'm not too familiar on what they're going to be doing with with this in terms of their difference between Blue Origin and SpaceX. But um, it's definitely interesting to see this competition starting to form in in private space companies, which is pretty cool. Um, definitely. But and also this is only the first in a bit of large amount of news or discussion that we have for Amazon itself. Um, but the ships, the rockets that they're launching look a little bit different. Also, it's their I believe the rocket was called the Crew 2.0. Um, which was a, the most recent flight was in December 2017. Hmm. Um, so, you know what, Matt? Also, another update. It looks like thunderstorms actually delayed the planned launch. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. So, so liftoff may still be able to watch it. That's right. Uh, liftoff is set for no earlier than 12:13 p.m. Eastern. So, so hopefully our chat knows what it's doing after this. Yeah, I hope so. Kind launch. of yeah. some mixed signals there. I apologize for that. But, no, all good. Um, all I, good. No, new, yeah. you get news as it comes. So that's right. That's it. But um, I like that. Um, yeah. But also, just to move into another piece of news, and this was probably one of the bigger articles that anybody might have heard over the course of this past week. But um, there is going to be a price hike for Amazon Prime. So uh, Prime is going to be raising its yearly cost for its membership from ninety nine dollars by twenty dollars to. 119 per year and a lot of people that i've spoken to or a lot of people that i've seen both online and in person have mentioned that this may be the last year that they use amazon prime as a program because they don't find the 120 dollars a year to be worth it um but i don't know what do you think of this are you do you have prime are you going to be canceling your prime jeff i do have it i Probably won't be canceling it. Um, it's it's a really useful service. Um, it is. It is. You know, it, it stinks to see a price hike, especially twenty percent. Um, but like Amazon says, it's a more valuable service than when the fee rose last time. Um, right. There's a lot more that comes with it, and I do think that some Prime subscribers um, may not be able, maybe, to afford an extra twenty dollars a month. Uh, or twenty dollars a year. I'm sorry, um, but it's it's not a, like a life changing price hike. I feel like if you use no. Prime, if you use Amazon enough, you're gonna hang on to it. When you break it down to a monthly, it's only nine ninety nine a month. So it's not that bad. It's the same as having a Spotify subscription. And um, as this article um, mentions, there are ways to kind of get around this. Um, so, and the just to, we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show, but I find it hilariously ironic that this article comes from Washington Post, which <laughs> is a company owned by Amazon. Yep. Um, hey. <laughs> uh, on how to circumvent the price hike that Amazon has. But um, less of these are, it, it's less of a way to circumvent it, but more of a way to mitigate it between you and somebody else who uses Prime. Um, so if you... There's a few steps you can take in this article. The first one, and I'll kind of go through and scroll down as I read these off. So number one would be 
going back with a friend or family member. Um, and you can share your membership with one other adult. And I think you have two children as a choice as well, but that's, that's not important for this. Um, using their household feature, which allows family members and roommates to tap into a number of prime benefits. Um, and you can use this to have multiple accounts under one prime subscription. Yeah. Um, the only catch to it is that it works kind of like Google's family plan where you must share payment methods, including credit cards and gift cards. Um, and you can only accommodate two adults. So that's not too bad. Um, that would drop it, obviously, if you agreed to split this. Um, that would drop the cost of your membership by half, which is nice if you're both evenly splitting it. Um, number two, I don't necessarily agree with. <laughs> on this it says head back to school yeah it's like oh yeah circumvent the 120 dollars a year membership by by tacking on a fifty thousand dollar a year um <laughs> student loan right right <laughs> so you know i don't know if i agree with that one but um and also if you only use it around like the holidays or something you can try paying by the month so it's a 12.99 per month membership fee uh, while students pay only six fifty per month, um, which is pretty good. So, if you want, and you only, like I said, you only buy around the holidays, just wait and pick it up as you need it. Um, and they say if you don't use Prime, or you just want to use these other random services, then just kind of pick and choose the services themselves. So, if you wanted to pay eight ninety nine a month for Prime Video, you could do that. Um, if you wanted to pick up any of their other services like Prime Music, I believe that's $9.99 per month as well. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you can kind of pick the only thing you can't pick and choose is just the Amazon Prime itself, which comes with the shipping, and that kind of sucks. It seems but. a little silly if you ship it all to pay $108 a year just for Prime Video and you can get Prime for $119, but yeah. Just, it doesn't make any sense. You know, if you're worried about that $11 and never ship things to yourself from Amazon that are under $25, mm -hmm. then, yeah, you're saving money. Yep. Um, the other option is going somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. So you, yeah, go to Walmart and Target, which I will uh, remind the listeners that Walmart and Target have both put in substantial amounts of work in overhauling their web experience. So I know the stores themselves are... Um, noted specifically for being unique in their experiences um like i've seen my fair share of fights in walmart parking lots um their web experience is substantially better um so and then also there's um other services nordstrom apple neiman marcus um and a lot of these places are also offering um, free two-day shipping on orders over 35 dollars. so if it is something you can get from one of these places and you don't want prime then this is a perfectly viable option. Um, so yeah, there's there's multiple ways to kind of mitigate this price hike. It's not a huge deal in my opinion, just because it is only when you break it down, it's adding just over, I think, maybe like a dollar or so $1. per month, month additional. Think, yeah. yeah. So it's not a huge price hike. It still is a price hike, that being said. Um, there's a secret number seven option that I actually used. Um, this is just for our listener base here. Um, <laughs> it's an exclusive. And by exclusive, I mean I saw this on Reddit the other day. So 
Um, the information specific, I'll go into the details around it first. So um, for any new subscriber after May, um, the price hike will take effect for them right then and there. For existing memberships, you will have to pay the increased price hike anytime after I think the end of June is when their cutoff is. So if your renewal date is after the end of June, then you will have to pay this new $120 um, membership cost. So take that into consideration. Um, or if you're like me, who purchased Amazon Prime around the holidays to start and then kept using it because you like the services that they offer, um, you can go onto Amazon's website and through there, like give the gift of Prime um, terms and you can go and purchase a Prime gift card for $99, which is the current rate. And you can then set a delivery date to your own account at three day, three days before your expiration. Hmm. So Loopholes. I actually have, I will be gifted a $99 Amazon Prime one year membership in late November, three days before my expiration. And you'll so. be patting yourself on the back for saving, correction, $1.66 per month. Yep. That locks you into an additional year of the same price. So instead of having to pay 120 in November of this year, I pay it in November of next year. So easy enough. Right. So, But for anybody who is listening who does want to have another year of Prime at the current price, that's probably the best option aside from maybe option one here, which is sharing with a friend or family member or um, picking and choosing when you want to subscribe to Prime if you do only use it a couple months out of the year. So, but yeah, that's just a, an important PSA and a little tip for our listeners. Mm -hmm. So um, it's give the gift of Prime and then you just give it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving forward with some news for our gaming listeners or viewers um belgium is now defining video game loot boxes as illegal gambling um you might be familiar with these if you play games like overwatch fifa counter-strike go uh maybe rocket league um so they're claiming that these loot boxes which give you random items skins costumes whatever you want to call them um for a fee to unlock them um, is considered gambling by their standards. Um, they currently constitute criminal violations of Belgium's gaming legislation and developers could be subject to prison sentences of up to five years and fines of up to 800,000 euros if the loot boxes aren't removed. Um, so they're taking this pretty seriously. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard some news about this in the past and when you think about it, it does kind of make sense. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. what do you think, Matt? Um, I think loot boxes are good when they're implemented in a, in a way that doesn't impact the overall experience of the game. So for example, I think one of the reasons why you're not seeing rocket league listed on this, um, would be because you have the option to turn it off mm -hmm. in game. Mm -hmm. So it's not a mandatory feature in any, um, any parent could go in and flip that feature off. Um, and it's a non, it gives you a non-competitive advantage as well. Um, so you may see it get listed on here. Um, it, as they go further into this, um, this may just be a preliminary group of games. Um, but I think this is good because, uh, 
this has kind of taken over DLC almost in terms of another way for game companies to make money. And there are some companies are worse than others at this, um, such as like EA. I know it was really bad. Um, And this, um, like the article does mention, comes at the outcry of how EA had implemented its system in Star Wars Battlefront. Mm. Um, But it said that it found that EA's recent changes to how the loot system um, works, it doesn't fall under the games of chance classification anymore. So um, you still get crates, but you don't have to buy them. You don't have to. They don't give you like game changing experience and um you don't have to grind for something to unlock in a way you know yeah so like i have i like how i like this it's really good because it's forcing game companies to redesign how they approach this loot box system and it they're implementing it in more fair ways like certain games um like just we'll go off of rocket league for example i've purchased a couple of their sets of keys over the few years that i've played that game and i consider that almost a support to the developers in a way yeah um because the product that they offer me is nice and um i have no problem giving them a little bit of money every once in a blue moon so i can get some cosmetic upgrades um and it's all cosmetic that's the important thing like by in any way in any of these games that aren't violating it do you get something that increases your competitive edge so that's the i think that's that's the big thing here um making sure that it's not giving you an unfair advantage and it's not goading you into thinking you need it right so. i do th- i do think the that potential of being able to spend money to open crates for random bonuses is probably still a concern when we come back to Rocket League and having to check box to hide them. Um, you could uncheck that box and there they are again. Yep. Um, also, I think that um, looking towards the youth is important here. Um, not only are they probably more prone to shelling out money that may just be their parents' money, to be honest, um, for loot and things of that nature, but also might um, kind of ingrain some gambling tendencies in their brain which i think is a, a focus here too yeah no it's, that's a big thing for sure and i think that um the focus on gambling and implementing these loot boxes in a smarter way i think is going to be important for game developers going forward yeah. um especially like you were saying with rocket league where you're you see these new updates and you see these you see these crates coming in you're like oh man i gotta unlock it i gotta unlock it and then you the only way to do it is to buy a key then that kind of gets into a gray area where it's almost like, hey, you know, you got all this potential cool stuff sitting here. Why don't you uh, throw five bucks at us and find out if it's any good, you know? Right. And then there, <laughs> so, there's a lot of mobile apps that do similar things. Um, yeah. There's actually oh, one, yeah. one I'm familiar with. that The system isn't entirely broken with this one because you get like loot crates, so to speak, and you can just wait a certain amount of time for them to open. Um, but they do give the option to pay money to get what are like some form of like in-game currency which you can spend to unlock the box which then has random items in it so i think maybe that like that time um you know going by method isn't necessarily a bad one i think that's fine um and what it does there is it keeps you coming back to the game to keep doing that over and over again so Mm -hmm. 
when, when yeah no I, I i agree yeah but yeah um i think that's all i have to say about this one yeah but um yeah so just to quickly reiterate um developers who break this are subject to five years and fines of up to eight hundred thousand euros if they're not removed so big stakes uh, big penalties yeah so we'll see and i really do like this because it does bring positive change to what is becoming a very toxic set of updates with games yeah and it's a very hot button topic in gaming and i'm definitely sure we'll be reporting on this again yep. as either more companies get it pulled into this or even as fines are dished out to various companies yeah yeah but uh we do to segue we do have some news um speaking of things coming out we have some leaked iphone pictures showing a glass back and more importantly a headphone jack right uh -oh. there uh -oh. how about that yeah it's um, on the new iphone se2 so um it's a tough acronym i hate that yeah it doesn't, not a doesn't roll off the tongue nicely at all yeah. um, um but, but yeah it's, it's like a classic take on the iphone 5 which is very similar to the previous se uh generation phone it's it looks like there's almost no differences visually um I'm assuming they're going to be putting in one of the new Apple chips. Um, that's almost a given. Um, it's going to have a four-inch screen, so it'll be the smallest and cheapest, therefore, iPhone that Apple offers. Um, and it looks like it's going to be the only iOS device that has a headphone jack. So it's anybody who wants the Apple experience and wants a headphone jack, there you go. It's a smart so. device to put this headphone jack back onto because it's meant to be a low cost iPhone. So the users of this phone may not be springing for Bluetooth earbuds or wireless earbuds. So, mm -hmm. and then uh, yeah. maybe even people who just, you know, are resistant to the change with the wireless movement will get a phone like this just to have the headphone jack again. Yeah. It would be a perfect like first phone for somebody also um, yeah. like a small compact, Apple device, which is an easy experience to learn for anybody who may be getting a phone or even for the older market. And there's a growing number of um, people in their later years who are moving away from the flip phone devices and picking up smartphones and may want an easy option to wean themselves into this new smartphone market that they may not be used to. Yeah. And they may already have experience with an iPad and having something like this, which is very similar. Um, would be a positive way to do that. So, it feels wrong to um, call it this, but this seems kind of like a retro iPhone. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> it's does. retro yeah. as of like a few years ago, but but it also has things like wireless charging. So not exactly mm -hmm. a blast from the past. Um, it has some decent specs. Like you said, it's going to probably have an Apple chip in it um, and four-inch screen. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking uh, one of their last two generation chips, which will be the ones in either the 7 or the 8. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm thinking that we'll see a lot. It'll be, it'll have a lot of hard, it'll have a lot of power underneath the hood if that's the case. So um, that being said, also um, it, I've seen a surprising amount of people who actually have the iPhone SE just being out and about walking around and like going to bars and um, just like kind of being around, I've seen a surprising number of iPhone SEs. I, that being said, I'm not sure if it's still the iPhone 5 that they may be <laughs> holding or if it's actually the SE, but um, I think it's a popular device in the low end market. 
Um, and also it's the only low end device that Apple offers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they dropped the 5C officially a few years ago. So yeah, you can't get right. that colorful plastic iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> so is that's good though. Um, yeah. This, this is going to be a, a solid device. It's, and usually they only run for like $400 or $300 or something like that. I was that. just going to say the same thing. And I think it's going to probably do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't quote me on that price. I think that price may even be like the higher end iPhone SE, not even like the base model, which may be cheaper. Right. So giving you kind of a upper end of that spectrum. Yep. So it's a little bit of the new and a lot of bit of the old. Right. Which is nice. And it's, I think it, it they kept the important stuff where it counts and improved on what would be a logical improvement. So I'm sure the camera is a little better. I'm sure like you were talking about the chips better. There's wireless charging. It has a headphone jack. It runs off of the, it uses the latest charging connector, which I think they've completely moved away from the 30 pin as of the last couple of generations, Um, which I wasn't sure. Does the five run on the 30 pin or is that lightning? I believe it's lightning. So then that wasn't a change that I'm I lied. I believe <laughs> it was a show I'm not last positive. time I used an iOS device. So, but yeah, um, that's good though. I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, they're continuing the SE2 line to cater to their um, smaller markets and their lower end markets. Um, but also they are going to be catering to the very high end VR and AR market. That's right. Uh, did you did you want to talk about this one? I know you were well, talking about it during the pre-show. I was excited to talk about it, uh, given that you and I had an episode where we talked very heavily about VR and AR in the past. Um, Apple's reportedly making a standalone VR and AR headset with two 8K displays, and the headset will reportedly be available as soon as 2020. This is pretty cool news if you're into the VR and AR game. Um, yeah. And also bad news for your wallet also. Yes, definitely. Um, I don't see a price or, you know, guess at a price anywhere on here, but I can probably take a stab at how high that might be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it looks um, pretty cool. It's going to basically be an ideal headset for VR and AR. Um, Mm -hmm. AK displays is pretty insane. That crushes any of the competition which like i think there's only one maybe and it gets and it gets 4k not even 8k and i'm not even sure if that's like native 4k resolution or if it's just upscaled but um it's also going to have cameras to detect its surroundings Mm -hmm. and it's going to have it's going to be connected to a dedicated box through a wireless um tech that they call 60 gigahertz y gig so that is, um, that's interesting. I know nothing about the Y gig. <laughs> I, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, it's like this new, like newfangled technology that they're working on, which is like, like this. I'm I'm curious to see like what the reported speeds are across wireless networks, and I wonder if that leverages uh, 5G in any way, either. Um, but I guess only time will tell until we see an actual demo of this. But um, right. for the hardware that it's running, it is running an A11 Bionic processor, which is the same processor that's in the iPhone 10, mm-hmm. um, and it uses a 10 nanometer construction. So this would utilize an as yet unreleased chip. So Ooh. this is a newer iteration of that same chip, which is interesting because the A11 Bionic chip is already as powerful as a MacBook. So, <laughs> so um, 
it's a pretty crazy rumor. Um, this is and but yeah, go ahead. This is you know what I've been waiting to hear about is completely wireless VR AR headsets. Um, yeah, and with specs like this, some fresh hardware like this, this is exciting. I want to see what this can integrate with, though. I yeah. I personally nothing against the daydream, but I'd like to see it be used for a lot more than things like that, like mobile apps, that, like watching Netflix and VR. Like, okay, mm-hmm. that that's fine, but I'd like to see this be able to be integrated with you know computers and gaming and anything. It would be you nice. Want. Yeah. yeah, I want to see if it's more. If it, I highly doubt it. It would be, but um, it'll be interesting if it was more of a cross-platform type play, because if it's not. All it has to leverage is AR kit, which um, it granted it does have a wide development market, but I think it would be a dead on arrival product if they capped it inside of the walled garden of Apple and yeah. didn't allow it to be connected to anything else. Unless they outside. have some serious plans for uh, Apple PC or, you know, not PC, Apple MacBook uh, gaming, where this would be yeah. integrated heavily. I. I would have to think they'd make it cross compatible with different platforms. Yeah. And if you look at the home pod, that's the only thing that would lead me to believe maybe they wouldn't. But after seeing how the home pod has performed in recent um, like sales reports and in news that's come out that they're actually dialing back the, the manufacturing of that uh, home pod. Um, maybe this will be a lessons learned type device where they'll be like, it's open. Everybody can use it. <laughs> So I hope so. I don't know. Yeah. So it'll be cool once this. These are rumors, reports at this point. Um, but mm-hmm. it will be very interesting to see how this progresses and to see what kind of field tests we can see, demo videos in the future, uh, maybe some more in-depth specs. So for stay, sure, stay tuned regarding yeah. this. I know that I'm excited to see what comes here. Sixty gigahertz, Y gig. Yeah. That's insane. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna be keeping an eye out on this. Just as a someone who's used VR and I have a PlayStation VR, it's not the most powerful one, but mm-hmm. it's still awesome to see all this new VR stuff coming out. Whether it's a game or an experience or like a show or whatever, like it's it's very cool. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to this. But yeah, I think. With that, I do believe that this is the end of the show. Um, so if you would like, would you want to walk through some of the plugs and I can um, come in whenever if you wanted to go over the plugs and then I'll go over the links. Sure. So to any new listeners who don't know or are listeners who are coming back, um, just a reminder, you can find us on our our home platform at industry 4.0 all spelled out dot podbean.com that's where we publish our audio from our episodes uh, which include the weekly episodes and i4o explains episodes um, for podcast listeners you could find us on your major podcasting services like google play itunes and stitcher on google play and itunes you could find us at industry 4.0 and on stitcher you can find us at i4o um, we're also available on several multimedia, um, social media, sorry, platforms, including Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find us there at Industry 4.0, all spelled out. Um, moving in some personal plugs here. 
I'm Jeff Budzinski, if you weren't aware. Uh, I do the audio mastering and the music tracks for the show, and you could find some of my other work at soundcloud.com forward slash the J-Bones. Um, Matt, you want to do the last few here? Sure. Um, we do have other people who normally show up on this show, but today they are not available. Um, <clears throat> so if you like the album art on Jeff's songs and you wanted to see more pictures like that, you can enjoy the photography of Ryan Thompson at flickr.com slash photos slash Wayne R. Thompson. You can find him on Instagram at Wayne Ryan 21. And we do have another person on the show, our resident nerd, Irvin Lucas. You can find him on Instagram at Irvin.Lucas. So, um, and then also uh, Kyle as well does have some podcast um, information coming down the line, but it's TBD on that. So, We'll let you guys know whenever he does announce it. It'll be a wrestling podcast with him and his son. So yeah, I'm excited to see a, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too because they had some some runnings on Facebook where they did some like dual commentary on some of the bigger news. And I'm not even into wrestling, but just that the chemistry that they have is pretty cool. They're so the into podcast. it. They have so much fun yeah. with it. Chase is an awesome kid, uh, Kyle's mm. son, and they do it together. So it's a father son show. Yeah. Just nothing not and um aside from that uh maybe you'll see us wednesday maybe not so (laughs) cliffhanger (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so but yeah to keep an eye out on the social media for that um we're gonna see if there's anything that we could talk about or if we just want to hang out with you guys so anybody who's watching on twitch um it is gonna be fun and we look forward to seeing you whenever we see you again um (laughs) But yeah, so that's just going to wrap the show up. So um, yeah, so thank you guys for watching. Uh, this has been episode 49, and we will see you in the golden episode next week at episode 50. So see you guys. Thanks. Thanks.